Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. A is in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. Good afternoon, everyone. 3.34 on a Thursday afternoon. Welcome to the show. Kimbo and The Roots with you live from Studio Lumo SA. After being on the road yesterday, thanks to the hospitality and generosity of Ingle Farm Hyundai. And well done to Sarah, who made her radio debut. She was incredibly nervous. Came through with flying colours. Great supporters of our show, Hyundai and Balfour's, who have been baking people happy since 1853, and so is the Rooch. Party people! Rooch, here he is. Rooch, here he is. Rooch, shakalaka. Well, you haven't been baking people happy, Rooch. I've been baking a few people. You've done. You've made a a life out of that. Oh, thank you kindly. Are you any good (laughs) in the kitchen? No, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, well, I didn't go too far. It was just a generic question. No, I wouldn't go useless. Oh, no, not useless. What's your go-to dish? Oh. <clears throat> no, Obviously, no. happens once a decade. Yeah, it is about <laughs> once a decade. Yeah, no, do I you, wouldn't go. I go to. Do, do you cook each night? No, not each night. You know, I don't each night. You know, I'm very busy here, there, and everywhere. So you don't eat. I eat. I eat where I can, when I can. Balfour's sausage rolls, you live That's on them. It. The breakfast and lunch and dinner of champions. That's Good it. show coming up. We're live and interactive, Rich. I've got a bit more of a pep in my step at the moment. Oh, yes, the steroids are kicking in, are they? Taking bloody two weeks. Wow. Breaking out in a sweat, though. That's not good. Um, <laughs> if you want to send a text, <laughs> zero, a sign. <laughs> yeah, 0427 <laughs> uh, If you want to have a chin wag, 1300-736-736. Busy night tonight, Rooch. At four o'clock, we'll speak to young Josh Gabalich. Is he related to Ray Gabalich? I've wondered the same question myself. He was former captain of Collingwood that kicked his famous... Mm. Yeah, kick that fame. 70s or 60s? 70s. Well, would have been leaning 60s into 70s. Or 50s, was it? No, no, no. We've got to find out now. Yeah, we do. We'll find out. Someone will text. If not, we'll check it during the break. And, yeah, and they say it was one of the great goals. He couldn't even bounce the football, the big fella. (laughs) Got away from him twice. Anyway, Josie Gabalich is an AFL reporter. He's an absolute beauty. So we're going to pick his brains with the latest with Ross Lyon after his third meeting route with St Kilda officials. People say it's virtually a fait accompli. He'll be in the big chair next year, a chair he's known before, Kim. Yes, yes, we'll be very familiar down there. I'm looking forward to, once he does sit there as the St Kilda coach again, what panel he forms around him. And and how he conducts himself at press conferences. Will all the old Rossisms come out? Because today we're going to play a grab At the cobbler's cobble. He's a, yes, but he, he's just very happy and smiley and friendly to everyone at the moment. Yeah, after. well, he's selling at the moment. Once yes. he's bought in, that's his show. Yeah, get the shotgun out to everyone, especially <laughs> you. 
And uh, you. And yeah, you. And you. Yeah. G'day to Bomber Thompson. Um, we'll throw a few questions to Joshy about some of the delisted players, what he's hearing. I'm also going to ask if he's heard anything of the corridors of power, because that's where he works, in regards to the new CEO position. Now, whilst That's I've, gone very quiet, yeah, hasn't it? Have you chatted about I've that? I've spoken to a few club chief executives, Kim, and they are much <clears throat> like us in the dark. Really? Yes. Oh, sorry, I had the cough button yeah, on no. then, really, I said. <laughs> One in particular was... Uh, Felt, yeah, that still was some some way away before. They I know who's on. getting the gig. I'm ninety five percent sure. Ninety four. Oh, not again. To, you'll just have to wait. Not, again. not, well, not someone with your uh, surname, is it? Because well, he keeps Andrew Dillon's name keeps being put up as Uncle the Andrew. most likely candidate from within. I think he's going to bring me in as part of the program as well, Root. But what about? I know it's a lot of us bang this same drum, but Benny Gale just doesn't get a look in, does he? I know. I love him. I think he should yeah. get the gig. I think Andrew Dillon will get it. Mm, that's what we keep hearing, that from within it's Andrew well, Dillon. Well, last job, Gabalich. It is, not Gabalich. Literally. Gabalich. Uh, 4.35, Jack Madgen's going to join us. He's just returned from overseas. So oh, hey, hey, hang on a minute. What's going on here? Matt Randell one day pumping him up, and now we're there as well. Yeah, this is nepotism at its finest. We're going to play back <laughs> what Matt had to say yesterday. He thinks someone should be picking, picking him up. I think he's a handy player as well. Okay. Very, very unlucky. Did his shoulder last year, then broke his hand, and he was a staple of that defence until yes. that happened. Well, the way in which... Matt describing he's virtually the general of that defence. Oh, as I said, he's looking after his nephew. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, loves, yeah, so looking forward to having a water. chat to him. Another one of those people, and it happens far too often, he was off on a holiday because that's their downtime. Yeah. I won't call it a footy trip. He was yeah. away with a few people but got the call whilst he was overseas that he'd been delisted. Mm. I think he was a little shocked by it. So we'll talk to Jack and see what chances he has of being picked up. And whether he'd contemplate coming to play in the Sandfall if he didn't get picked up. Or would he go back to basketball, where he was a professional basketballer? As I say, do the Hugh Greenwood in reverse. Yeah. And looking forward to around 4.50, having a chat to Katie Mack. She's an absolute ripper. Adelaide striker, well, all-rounder, but bats. Mainly batting, yeah. Bats woman. Batter it is, isn't it? Oh, you say batter now. Batter, yeah. I can say bats woman, though. Well, I guess you can, but they say batter. All right. Batter. Makes me feel like... Fish and chips. Um, they take on the Sydney Sixers at Karen Rolton Oval tomorrow. They're zipping two, but I think they're better than that. Yep. And we'll stay with the cricket theme after 5pm. Nathan McAndrew, all-rounder for the Redbacks. We spoke to him last year when he came to South Australia, Rooch. Part of the loss yesterday, but they get to redeem themselves with a one-day 50-over game in the Marsh Cup at Adelaide Oval tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Also against Tasmania, isn't it? All right. Oh, here we go. Josh Gabalich yep. is Ray's grandson. Wow. And died when he was around nine years old. That's oh. Robbie from Sejuna. Okay. Oh, g'day, Robbie. Appreciate that. Uh, Sejuna, beautiful well, part he'd have of some the world. memories of his grandfather at nine, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Um, all righty. Now, let's go around the grounds routes. It's, uh, it's not real busy at the moment, but I was intrigued by this. The AFL have released, I'll say this in inverted commas, terms of reference for the Hawthorne investigation. I pose the question, how does the AFL dictate the terms of reference if this is to be an independent investigation? Well, this, now, is, this has been the key point since this began. So the AFL appointed the panel. Mm-hmm. So well, hang on, the AFL appoints an independent panel. Is it still independent? Then the AFL sets the term of reference for this panel. Now, is that still independent? 
It's and then we've heard that question. the players that have made the accusation say they're not going to be interviewed or talk to people that are appointed by the AFL. Correct. So this is where perception reality. Now, at mm. some stage you say, hang on, the AFL has to be seen as responsible here. But is the better process saying you go, even so, you're still going to have your hand in one part of the process, aren't you? Once you say you're going yeah. to be involved. Do they, as happened at West Coast, you go and appoint a, a retired Supreme Court justice and say, this is your, like Royal Commission, you pick your panel members, you pick yep. your terms of reference, you pick your timelines, we'll just accept your report. That would be as close as to full independence as you can be. But when you've got the AFL picking the panel, AFL setting the terms of reference, you go, oh, is this really independent? Now, you get some reassurance when you read uh, the terms of reference, which include all participants being able to share their perspectives, which is the way it should be. Every, yep. This was the major problem of the Hawthorne investigation. Mm. How you can only have one side of the story, and Chris Fagan and Alistair Clarkson as two of the key men who have been hit by this, not a, not being interviewed, not having their perspective. Farcical comes to mind. Exactly. So, and okay. damaging. But as the point you made, some of the participants are saying, well, if the AFL's got its hand on this, we don't want to be a party to it. Mm. Now, that's an issue for them. The other one is if you reach a point, and like we've seen in those racism reports, particularly uh, Damien Monkhurst and Michael Long, wasn't it? That was, yes, that was, yeah, the big that was one. going back a while ago. So yeah. there's the opportunity for mediation. So all of a sudden, if you, the panel's going, well... This is getting a bit too tense between the two parties, the stories. We, we're going to have to send them away for mediation. Otherwise, we'll never get to the resolving. That's probably a good step too. The one that I find interesting is they say the report will be released publicly, but it doesn't really tell you what that means. No. So is it, you're not expecting the full report to suddenly land on your desk when it ends, do you? I mean, I know West Coast did a, a pretty good job. Remember the famous... Don't you legally have access to that? No, because it's not a it's not a public entity like the Supreme Court or a uh, any sort of public entity where you say Freedom of Information Act. That's mm. that's not the way this one works. So I'll be intrigued as to how much of that is publicly released, or whether they say because of confidentiality, these bits have been blacked out. So that's going to be an interesting test for the AFL. I said before, out of every negative, you can find a positive. Let's hope they find one here. I call me a cynic. I think there'll be a lot of box ticking. That goes on. No, so we'll keep you up no, to date. I imagine there'll be a lot of change, Kim. And we've. Well, I hope so. I, if I in think, fact these things are accurate. I think you'll get to the but point. But you don't know if they are. No, but I think we'll get to the point where key meetings like the ones that involved Alistair Clarkson and Chris Fagan, I wouldn't be surprised they now become recorded from now on. So when there is an issue of dispute. That's a different point, yes. I, I think there'll be a yeah. lot of changes in process. Well, I think there's a lot of workplaces where that may become. Uh, come applicable. Now, the other interesting one will be, if it involves Indigenous players and the need to understand Indigenous culture, will we then reach the point that if an Indigenous player comes in and has an issue to discuss or is called in, that there be an elder, whether it be an elder in the group or an elder from outside also there to be alongside them to help them through the pro I think there's going to be a lot of procedural change. All right. We know it's a big deal. It uh, is. I know that some people find it tedious as well. We'll move on, Roach. Uh, there's going to be another father-son at Brisbane. They won't have enough points. They so don't. What have we got now? They don't need them, Roach. No, not with a Category B. Yes, uh, this is uh, um, uh, Michael McLean. So he yeah, has magic. a son who's a basketballer. Yeah, so he's been that's out of the system for to, three years. Ah, that's a yes. handy way to come through the system, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, because they need all their points to get Ashcroft and um, 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 is um, it Fletcher, Fletcher the other one. 
Who's the other one? Fletcher? Yes, it is. Fletcher. Sorry, just reading a story coming through. Uh, an, oh, another delisting route. West Coast has cut Zach Langdon. 110 now. From its list after just 25 games for the Eagles. Langdon joined the club at the end of the 2020 season. After three seasons at GWS, I thought he was going to make it. He was a handy small forward. In exchange for pick 54, he played 56 games overall in what has been an injury-interrupted mm. career. Wonder if he'll no. get a second chance. And before we go to a break, uh, let's go to perhaps what is the big story at the moment. That is uh, Ross Lyon. He mm. had his third meeting with St Kilda. And surprise, surprise, you see him there. You see no, you see him here. You see him there. You see him absolutely bloody everywhere. Tom Brown popped up to doorstop Ross as he was coming out of the building. Are you here for a board meeting or are you going to get appointed? Or? Yeah, hey, I'm going to meet the board, so just part of it. Have you got the job? Stepping through the head. I couldn't have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have. We'll see you when you come out. Thanks, mate. See you, Ross. Uh, you might have heard that amid the laughter. Have you got the job? It's a fair enough question. Ross thought it was funny. Yes. Well, going to meet the board is a pretty critical step in all this now. Very affable, it? Ross, now. So what do we make of the process St Kilda's going through? They have their man, don't they? They're just now wanting to get through the terms and an understanding of what's going to be required by both parties, sure. Um. Let's, we'll hear from someone that's been a little bit closer to it than us. Now, Ernie Merrick, who most people would know through the World Melbourne Game, Victory. Melbourne Victory, a very, very successful coach, has been a mentor for Brett Ratton at uh, St Kilda. So he was interviewed today on Waitley. He had a lot of interesting things to say. So we'll go to a break, Rooch, and we'll hear from Ernie Merrick, and he can answer the question you just posed. This is Kimba on the Rooch. We're live and interactive, thanks to our great friends at Balfour's. A Balfour's in one hand, your team's colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. A Balfour's in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and The Roots. 3.52 on a Thursday afternoon. We love the support we get from Hyundai. Take a look at the Tucson Turbo Diesel. Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Just to... Oh, hang on. Well, when I'm coughing, you, oh, could, you could talk instead of just silence when I'm dying. Are you okay there, Kim? You left no. us at the last break with a voice like Mr. Hulk. Mm. The steroids are kicking in. You've no. come back weak as no, coughing I'm, fits again. No, I'm good. All right, enough I'm of sure that. Sure, you're right. Boring everyone to death. We've got a text here though, which is yeah. very serious. Ruchi, you loose cannon. <laughs> Can you flick the switch and turn SEN back on? Now that's from Mario, and Mario, we do acknowledge we've got a problem with he the can't trans. He can on the app. Oh, I hope he's listening on the app. I'm doing an apology, Rooch. Right. Shut up for a second. Uh, we do acknowledge that we're having trouble with the 1629 on the radio. We've got a coupling problem uh, with the transmitter. Uh, we are onto it, but you can hear us crystal clear on the app, so we appreciate that. Very good. All right. Coming up, Josh Gabalich at uh, 4 o'clock. Jack Madgen at 4.30. Why have we got 4.15 there? <laughs> What's going on here? Like two weeks off and everything falls apart. 4.35. Jack Gab, uh, imagine. Katie Mack at 4.50, Nathan McAndrew after 5. All right, Rich, you asked the question, how do you think, how do you think the sacking went at St Kilda? And, and the said, process yeah. to also hire Ross Lyon. I said, let's go to someone a little more qualified. Ernie Merrick has been employed as a mentor to Brett Ratton over the last couple of years. Now, he's the former 
coach of Melbourne Victory. Uh, this is Ernie on Waitley talking about how closely he worked with Brett Ratton. My contract uh, with St Kilda, uh, I had to spend three days a week roughly at the club. So pre-match preparation the day before, the preview of the game, implementation of the the, uh, the training programme to, to devise a, a plan for the match. I, I spent the match day in the box. It was very difficult to sit there and observe and take it all in and not be able to say anything. That was the hardest thing for me as a coach. Yep. I wanted to make decisions, but I didn't. And uh, and the review the day after the game, the first training day after the game I attended. So three days a week from pre-season through to round 21. All right, I'm going to go through a few of his comments, Roach, and then we'll get to the final question he was asked by Jared, and that was, uh, in his time in sport, how does he rank the sacking of Brett Ratton? I think you'll be interested in the answer. Uh, this was when he was asked about what type of coach he thought Brett Ratton was. I would say he's one of the best coaches I've ever worked with, and um, he's very modern. He has got great skills in coaching and, and winning respect and and developing players. He's got a thorough knowledge of the game. His expertise is outstanding. And that was evident early on in the season when he had more of a full squad before the injuries occurred. When at halftime, he'd often make key decisions that changed the result. Many times that they go in at halftime behind the opposition and they came out on top. But you get worn down eventually with your lack of experience in midfield, your injuries to senior players like Ryder, Gresham. Billings, Jack Hayes, he lost his tall players. It just makes life very difficult. I, as I say, first year victory, first half of the season, we were nearly top of the league, I think. We beat the, the ultimate champion, Sydney, 5-0 at home. And then I lost Archie Thompson to PSV Eindhoven. I had two or three injuries. I had inexperienced midfielders that couldn't last the pace over time. And uh, I needed to add three players, which I did with... Uh, um, Fred um, I brought Musket into midfield I brought in Roddy Vargas and it made such a difference having a second pre-season under our belt and uh, a bit of longevity with Jeff Lord supporting me. So he makes a good argument for why they finish where they were and it's clear that he's a supporter of Brett Ratton so the obvious question follow-up question from Jared was well why couldn't St Kilda see what the plan was? In my opinion, it came down to this the expectation of the personality and role of the coach and the old-fashioned style of being an authoritarian sort of dictator and laying down the law all the time. And that style of coaching went out 20, 30 years ago. I know because I was part of it. When I coached the old NSL, I was an authoritarian dictator and ruled through fear and it's it's not successful. It certainly can't last in the long term. And uh, in modern coaching, and I'm working currently with Olympic level coaches as a, as a mentor at Victorian Institute of Sport. The best coaches are the ones that build good relationships with the players and staff, have a, a sound plan in their mind, a strategic direction, and they implement it. And it takes time to do that. And that's what I'm saying. Three years is just not enough time, especially in football, where you can't go and sign a hundred million dollar. Uh, Van Dyke, Van Dyke type of player for Liverpool. So that, that confirms everything Pete Ryan told us when we spoke to him from the age on Friday that we asked, well, what was the knock on Brett Ratton? And his report was that he was 
well connected, well supportive, well mm. meaning to the players, and yet it's included like St Kilda, like Ernie Merrick says, wanted a dictatorial coach. Well, they're going to get one now. Well, uh, Ernie Merrick was asked about his thoughts on Ross Lyon. Well, I'm not aware of what they're going to do now. Um, as you are aware, I've spoken with a lot, I've shared ideas with a lot of AFL coaches over the years and spoken at functions and um, and end of year uh, conferences. And um, part of uh, one at one stage, I, I spent a bit of time with Ross Lyon at Fremantle. He asked me to come up there, and I know that Ross Lyon's a very good coach. And uh, but I'm not sure that it's the change is going to make the difference. It's really the stability and the recruitment of high quality players and sticking with the same coach for a period of time who shows and proves what he can do like Brett. But I've certainly got nothing bad to say about Ross. Oh, that goes to the key, isn't it? List management is so, so important now. Yeah, I don't think anyone said they were moral for the top eight last year, did they? No, no, they weren't. I wouldn't be doing cartwheels over their list. And they did have injuries, as uh, Ernie yep. said. All right, let's get to the million-dollar question. Ernie was asked where this sacking ranks in his time in sport. It's one of the worst I've seen. And um, I was part of the review process the day before he was sacked. And I considered the decision was already made. And I was just, you know, ticking a, a box to check on my belief of his performance. The difference is in soccer, when you're sacked from the English Premier League, you walk away with $20 million, yep. not six months of salary. So, when, in fact, I'd yeah. love to get sacked from an English Premier League. <laughs> club. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, there is that. There is that. Well, you I think do move a, on to another job very quickly, too. I don't know if I like that, uh, that new ruling, the clubs that are financially supported, and it's just six months. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card for mismanagement. Well, how would you like a rule? like happens in some other sports, that if your board is fiscally irresponsible, you not only get hit with having to make the payout, but you lose premiership points. Then see how they behave in signing up a I'm not, coach I'm, and then I'm, I'm 93 sure, days later yeah, sacking him. I'm not sure if that's fair to your supporter base. Well, it would make the boards more responsible, Kim, because the supporter base would then say, now we're sacking the board because they have been fiscally irresponsible and hurt this club. That's right. a way to keep your board on, on very, very... Much on their tiptoes. You can have your say on that. The text line is 0427 154 uh, Four o'clock news coming up. Josh Gabalich coming up after that. Comeback of Ben Simmons has started with the Aussie fouled out for four points, five assists and five rebounds in 23 minutes as the Brooklyn Nets lost to New Orleans. Two minutes past four, Kim Barn the Roots with you. We are live from Studio Lumo SA. Thanks to our great friends at Balfour's. No matter your club's colours, Balfour's are for the game. Just a reminder, Jack Madgen coming up after 4.35. Adelaide striker WBBL star Katie Mack also joins us just before five. And after five o'clock, Redbacks cricketer Nathan McAndrew. But right now we're heading across to Melbourne to a very talented young AFL reporter, Josh Gabalich. Josh, thanks for your time. Great to be with you guys. Hope right. everything's settled over there after the trade period. It feels like it was a, a massive one in your part of the world, but especially here as well. Yeah, it's been busy, no doubt about that. And there's still plenty to talk about in regards to players that were delisted that may be picked up again. We want to throw a few at you, Joshy. We don't expect you to have all the answers, but we are hopeful. Uh, update us on the latest with Ross Lyon and St Kilda. He had his third meeting. Yes, well, it looks like he's going to return to St Kilda. We'll find out a bit more, I think, tomorrow. Possibly 
next week will be an announcement. But it, all signs point to him returning to St Kilda. It's quite amazing to think that he coached there 11 years ago and he's going to return. So we'll find out a bit more in the coming days. But as you said, he met with Andrew Bassett on Monday, mm. met with the club again on Tuesday. And on Wednesday, yesterday, he, he sat down with the board. So a decision is imminent, but all signs point to him returning to St Kilda, which is which is pretty big, especially there's been a really big push from the old St Kilda Mafia when you think mm. of the likes of Brendan Goddard and Nick Del Santo and Nick Rewalt. Lenny Hayes has, of course, already returned as a midfield coach. There's a chance that Brendan Goddard returns in some capacity to that football department. There's even been murmurings around Lee Montagna returning in some capacity. So there's been a really big push from that old crew that had so much success under Ross Lyon. But when you consider how he departed the club at the end of 2011 to move to Fremantle, it's quite remarkable that he's going to return. But we'll find out a fair bit more, I think, before the weekend. Joshy, just a quick one. There was talk about Luke Beveridge being approached. Was that just a smokescreen or was it genuine? I can't confirm if it was genuine or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if a conversation was had with someone around Luke Beveridge, just given he's out of contract mm-hmm. in the next year. He's obviously a very loyal person, but he did work at St Kilda before he moved to take that role at the Bulldogs back in 2015. So I think all along they've had Ross Lyon in their sights. That's why so, they made that decision so, last Thursday night. It was one that came out of nowhere when you really think that it was less than three months after re-signing Brett Ratton for two more years. So I think right. Ross Lyon was always the man that they wanted. So on that point, Josh, that, and this is about the process, who's going to finish second in this whole process? Well, it doesn't look like there's going to be well, that's my point. A, a second. It's a, that's my it's, point. This isn't a diff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So no. it won't be Adam Uze this time, and he's, he's run second <laughs> yeah, well, in said, a Josh. couple. Yeah, you can knock that one off. Yeah, yeah. If, I reckon if St Kilda rang Adam Uze, I'd say, get stuff. It's not going to be play a little bit part yeah. in the game. Hey, who's going to get Magic Round? Is it South Australia? It's an interesting one, isn't it? It's been so successful in the NRL. I, I feel like this is something that's, that's definitely growing a bit of momentum. I don't know if it works, but... Well, that's the great question, momentum. Josh. Why are we doing it? We were only months, if not a year away from when we've had coaches say so we want the game to be shorter, the season to be shorter. Now we're going to add an extra game and still we don't have an explanation as to why we're doing it. Well, it'd be to grow the game. If it's on the eastern seaboard... Well, we're not growing it in Adelaide. Oh, well, we? you can. You might bring in new people, Rich, still. Mm, intriguing. So why are we doing it, Josh? Oh, I don't know. I, I was totally against AFLX, and I feel like, although this is an <laughs> AFLX, this is heading into those sort of areas. And oh. we understand why it's worked in the NRL. I mean, the NRL, yeah. if you look at the yeah. attendances, they needed to try something. We don't need to try that in the AFL, but look... It might be something that, that works. I don't know, but it, it puzzles me because I love the fixture and the way it's spread out across the weekend and, and the introduction of Thursday Night Football has been really successful as a TV product as well. So I'm not sure about Magic Round, but it feels like it's definitely growing some momentum. So, Josh, if one of the conditions that was put on the table by the AFL is that no team is to get a home field advantage, because that's the whole point of Magic Round, is there is no home field advantage. We've got to then conclude if it comes to Adelaide, we get a showdown in Magic Round. Mm, exactly. Well, how does it, how does that work then if there's no home field advantage? Because so, both teams are playing on Adelaide Oval, neither of them has a home field yeah. advantage because it's a fifty-fifty game. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let me give you an oh, easier I'd... question, Josh. I'll take the pressure off you. You walk the corridors of power. Mm. Who's going to be the next CEO of the AFL? Is it my uncle, Uncle Andrew? <laughs> 
I don't know. This one feels like it's it's heading. I, I feel like we're not as close as we were only a couple of months ago, especially really? everything that's going on with Hawthorne. And, and obviously Tasmania, we're still yet to get a decision. I mean, when Gil McLaughlin announced in April that this would be his final season and he'd see out the season, I mean, the season's come and gone now. We're nearly in November and it feels like we might have to wait until the new year before there's a change of power. But Andrew Dillon is, is clearly someone who's been mentioned for a long time. Travis Old is the other one. And you consider the way uh, Gil McLaughlin Ooh. and Andrew Dimitro rose to their roles. They were internal promotions so they're clearly in the box seat Patrick Delaney is a name that, that continues to be linked to this role he's obviously been heavily involved in broadcasts for a long time at Fox yep and, and Kylie Watson Wheeler she's the president of the Western Bulldogs she runs Disney in Australia she, she's also got a lot of support so they're the names at the moment and uh, then I mean we haven't seen someone from Clubland come in and, and take the role well, we know he should. A, <laughs> we, should be Benny Gale surely well, he, he's, he's someone who's, who's generated a lot of support. There's Tom Harley, Simon Garlic, even Dave Matthews has, has been linked to this role. He's obviously been with the Giants for the duration of their existence. So right now, it, it doesn't feel like we've got a real clear standout. But if you have tried to put uh, some money on it, I think it would be one of Andrew Dillon yeah. or Travis Saul. But I still think there's a fair bit to play out. So of all the things that Gillen put on the agenda before he left, and now Hawthorne's been added to it. So we've got Hawthorne... Tasmania and the CBA of those three, which is the most difficult for him to deal with? Well, I think the Hawthorne one has become such a big issue. So he definitely can't leave before that is finalised. And he announced today that they expect that investigation to be completed by the 22nd of December. So that really does take him all the way through to the new year. But he also said that there's no guarantee it will be completed by then. So there's no way he can leave until that's completed. So I think we're definitely going to see him at the start of next year, but it might even take a bit longer when you think about it. So we could see him all the way up until the start of next season. I I think you're right there. I think it'll be at least uh, March. It's going to be a longer farewell tour than Johnny Farnham's, which is still still going. All the best to Johnny. Is there still the prospect of an international candidate? It's definitely something that's been been floated, but I I think there's a lot more support for those that know the game and the intricacies around that. So... That would be that would be my view. I, I I do think that Andrew Dillon and Travis Ald both have a really big advantage because they've been in the building for so long. And in Travis Ald's case, he's been inside Clubland at two different clubs, so he's got a lot of support there. So I think it comes down to one of those two. But I wouldn't rule out Watson Wheeler or, or Patrick Delaney. Okay. They're, they're, they're two names that, that keep, keep coming up in conversations I have. 95% done with my uncle, Uncle Andrew, Andrew Dillon. Hey, just a quickie, you're at the coalface over there, Josh. You're bumping into all these people in club land. Uh, with all the delistings, are you hearing uh, about anyone that's definitely going to be picked up? Like names like Quentin Narco and Sydney Stack, Mitch Wallace, are the Brown brothers, are you hearing anything over there? The real difficulty right now with the delisted free agents is there's a bit of a lack of clarity around list spots. So mm. although the the DFA window opens on November 3rd, I don't know how many we'll see taken in that period. Obviously, they've still got the SSP and the rookie draft. I think it might take up until the rookie draft for some of these players to earn another opportunity. And I think I think right at the top of the list is, is someone like a Jed Anderson, who was quite stiff yeah. to be yeah. listed by North Melbourne. He's only 28. It was only a couple of years ago that he finished third in the best and fairest at the Kangaroos. 
Now, this year didn't really go to plan because he didn't start training until March because he was um, he was reluctant to take the, the vaccine. He ended up doing that, played 14 games. I thought he was quite stiff to be delisted. So I know Gold Coast were really interested in him during the trade period. So it just came down to what happened with Braden Fiorini. They kept Braden Fiorini instead of even going to Collingwood. And that was also an issue in terms of Caleb Poulter, who's attracted a fair bit of interest from the Gold Coast Suns as well. So I'd expect one of the two of them to get an opportunity with the Suns, and whether that's via the SSP or rookie draft or DFA, I don't know just at this stage, but I'd expect one of those two to get a look in. Quinton Knuckles, the name you mentioned, I'd be shocked if he didn't get another yep. opportunity. There's, there's been a handful of clubs, including the two Western Australian clubs, that have held preliminary discussions with his management. It just needs to see how these things shape out because the clubs needed to get through the trade period to see where they sat in terms of list spots and now they, they take stock ahead of the draft. But I'd be surprised if, if Quinton Knuckle didn't get another gig. And Cal Brown's the other one. I, I thought he was a little bit stiff yep. not to get another contract at Collingwood. Just 24, played the 70 games. He was an emergency in all three finals, so he couldn't have come much closer without playing. So I thought he was pretty hard done by it not to get another deal at Collingwood, but it's a ruthless business, as we know. Him and his brother, they're both looking for another opportunity. They've got a little bit of interest early, but I think with someone like Cal Brown, it's more like an SSP. Come in, audition, and, and see where you sit come sort of January, February, March. Josh, there's one empty chair at AFL House, and that's the one that Brad Scott vacated to become Essendon's coach in charge of the football department at AFL House. Who's going to get that gig, and will they get rid of the stand rule? Well, I Please. did trade radio with, with David Noble on the final day, and I kept saying, I, I feel like this is this is the, the role that's suited to you. Given you've been a list manager, head of football, senior coach, I feel like you'd be really mm. well suited to that role. I, my, my feeling is that he's, he's quite open to that position. Jimmy Bartel has been vocal about um, being interested in that role. He's obviously heavily involved in the Adam Kingsley appointment and everything that went into chasing Uze and Alistair Clarkson and, and looking at uh, Mark McVeigh. So he wouldn't be a bad appointment either, especially given his his background. But I just feel like David Noble would be a really good fit for that role. Love it, Joshy. He's a good friend of ours. We've known Nobes for a long time. Hey, really appreciate you jumping on the phone and that comprehensive uh, update, Josh. Much appreciated. No dramas. Anytime, guys. Appreciate that. Josh Gablich from the AFL, uh, one of their gun young journos. Uh, really It'd be a good gig for David, too. Oh, it, David, I think it'd be brilliant. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. We'll keep an eye on that one. Yeah. We'll get Nobes on and we'll ask him about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good fit. Uh, it just highlights the more we're in this caper, Roach, and the more we talk about it, being a delisted player, it is a death by a thousand cuts, right. having to wait until the pre-season draft to know whether you have a career. You can't proactively go out and get a full-time job if no. you're still holding on to your dream. Well, the Jared Leonard story tells us that yeah. when he told us this time last year he was about to start teaching. I don't have the answers, but there has to be a uh, better system, surely. We need to go to a break. It's uh, 4.14. This is Kimba on the Roots. Thanks to Balfour's. No matter your club's colours, Balfour's are for the game. A Balfour's in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. 
8.20. Great to have your company. We're live from Studio Luma USA. Thanks to Hyundai, the Tucson Turbo Diesel. It is in stock now. Roach, before we move on to James Rowe, Jimmy, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Johnny Ralph has re- done an update on Magic Round. Yeah, and what he's saying probably points towards Adelaide because if this sort of money is being splashed around, you're going to need crowds at games. He's saying AFL Magic Round has been put up as an incentive to the clubs where they would each get Half a million dollars extra as a yep. windfall. So that's a million dollars a game. They share half a million. Now, what the players are going to say, hey, we're playing an extra game. What do we get? Mm-hmm. They're putting 200000 on the table for the players. That balances out to less than 10000 each. Hardly a great incentive to players who are... Oh, it'd be shocking to get $10,000 well, for a game of footy. I, I know what <laughs> oh, you, you know mean. What I'm I, know, I know what it's not you their mean. average. their average $10,000 they And uh, you poo-pooed it a bit when Peter Malinowskis came out initially and put the hand up. And I thought it was good that they're being proactive. You thought it was theatre politics, possibly. Oh, well, let's be honest here. It wasn't his idea. It was from... Doesn't the, matter. Wasn't he still idea. came out with it. Oh, he's supportive of it. But it wasn't yeah. as long as he came up with the idea. Well, it doesn't matter, though. That's why you have people underneath you, Rooch. Yeah. Someone can't be expected to have all the answers. I like the fact that he got on the front foot as opposed to the previous government that had a chance to get two grand finals. Yeah, but they know you're being, and made you know a really you're being pathetic unfair. little effort. At no, the but end. you're being unfair because it's the previous government who put this on the table through the Tourism Commission. Doesn't matter, Roach. Well, it's hey, been he, supported. He didn't have to support it, but he has. Yeah, but you can't knock the previous government when they put it on the table first. Oh, bloody oath, I can. Well, they came up with they the were idea. asleep at the wheel with the grand finals, oh, Roach. Okay. Well, anyway, we're not getting into we're not getting into politics, but yeah. it would be great for the state. Um, yes, and because if you've got WA sides and Gold Coast, Brisbane yep. playing, and then people come away for a weekend in Adelaide to yeah. watch their teams play, yep. well, then it'd be great to get. All right, let's move on to other matters. Here's a text, Rooch. We spoke about this yesterday. This one starts off. Dylan's right. I like it. Uh, Of course you would. If Port doesn't happen often. If Port don't take Jimmy Rowe, that's a massive miss. They can't rely on Fantasia getting on the park and all the question marks over Rioli. 13 games in three years. um, Port's lack foot skill up forward, and that's exactly what Rowe would bring. He's already in SA, and he is a free hit. Go get him. Okay. So it'll be interesting how Port balance this out. Do they believe in McIntyre? Yes, they've given him a contract. Mm-hmm. One that surprised us is Dylan Williams getting at a contract. That a little surprised there, yeah. Do they now look at Francis Evans from Geelong as a better option than James Rowe? We'll see how that one balances out. But, yeah, all the points you make, local, wouldn't be a big hit on the salary cap. No demand in terms of draft picks because they can actually pick him up as a delisted player after the draft. Don't have to worry about the expense of travel. None of all that. Relocating. So there's a lot of ticks. Now it comes down to is he the best option of all the players they're looking yeah. at? And, that's, and, and we don't know what they have on table. We don't know the what key. they may draft with pick 30, whether yep. it's another small forward. Yes. But if they didn't, I genuinely think he's worth a free hit. We know the knock is the leg speed, but he has a really high footy IQ. When he gets yep. the ball, something happens. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, no, but he, he, he's worth a go. Here's another text. Uh, Arvo boys, how would Jimmy Rowe look at West Coast? Uh, now Rioli is gone and Langdon, Langdon delisted. Also, Poulter would make sense to a rebuilding Eagles on the wide Optus Stadium. That's from, that's from Lockie. Good thought, Lockie, yep. So we, I know we touched on it yesterday and there were some mischievous Port supporters, you know, because of uh, Jimmy's heritage not being quite so keen. No, he should not be judged by the sins of his father. Yeah. Uh, afternoon, lads. I was going to sell my car because I couldn't hear you blokes on the radio. <laughs> Thankful for the app. Oh, Steve <laughs> from Seaton. Uh, Steve, I... 
we have mm. apologised. We know we've got a transmitter problem at the moment, but the app is crystal clear sound. Thank you for sticking with us. We are genuinely doing our best and we appreciate your support. Indeed. All righty. Uh, 4.24. Good show coming up, Still Roots. Uh, Jack Madgen after 4.35. Um, Adelaide striker, WBBL star, Katie Mack. Looking forward to that chat. And Nathan McAndrew from the Redbacks. They need to turn around their form. I don't care if it's in the for the strikers or the one-day Marsh Cup or whatever, Roach. And while we're on the shield, if WA doesn't lodge a formal complaint to Cricket Australia about the LBW calls being made in their shield game against Victoria, they are selling themselves short. I've it's never seen you so invested in umpiring decisions in well, domestic cricket. Cricket Australia is putting up on the Twitter account. I look at them and I go, this is wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. If you want to know what Rich is talking about, where should people go? Go to cricket.com.au, which is Cricket Australia's Twitter account, and have a look at the latest LBW decision that's actually been done in favour of Victoria against WA. It is horrendous. Rich, this could be up your alley, and it's never too late to change direction in life. You could be an umpire. All right. A cricket I'll, umpire. All right, I'll get onto it. I'll go do the course. Yeah, it'll be a bit like your match race with Rowe, I think. <laughs> A Balfour's in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. 4.30. Oh, time for the news. We're going to run a little bit late, Roots, because we need to. Uh, Doc Clark held a press conference today because they've got a huge game coming up tomorrow at 10 past five, Unley Oval, when they take on Geelong. They need to win their last two to guarantee a top four place. Before we get to Doc on who's replacing Chelsea Randall, he was throwing a little curly one about the delisting of Brett Turner. Yeah, that's a challenging uh, position to be in. Uh, anytime you come into the squad midway through a year, um, you know it's it's challenging to have that impact, particularly if you've come uh, with an injury. So, but I thought, uh, particularly his SNFL final series is outstanding. So, it demonstrated a capacity to play, you know, above SNFL level. So, hopefully, there'll be opportunity down the track. Do you think the club should have maybe persisted with him, giving a proper crack at a full pre-season, maybe? No, I think the list management's challenging. There's always you know pros and cons. For every decision, and you know the, the people that are charged with that role uh, are very, very diligent. I know that, so um, you know they will have made the decision in the best interest of the club. Well, they did it for just a mechanical issue. He'll be back on the list. And it's I would imagine yeah. so. Very diplomatic by the doc. He's yeah. an absolute beauty. Let's give him an easy question: Who comes in for the injured captain, Chelsea Randall? So, yeah, obviously Chelsea missing out uh, this week, which is frustrating and disappointing. But, yeah, the upside of that is we get an opportunity to, uh, to blood new players and we're going to have a, a debutante this week in Kira Muller uh, from Sturt Footy Club. Uh, really good for us that she's able to make her debate, debut this season because she's done everything right. Uh, she's ready to go. She played a great. Uh, we had an internal, or not an internal, but a scratch match up on the Gold Coast last week. Uh, and she was really strong, played really, really well. So really excited that she's going to come in and debut for the club. So another debutante for the Crowies. That is good news. It's 4.32. News coming up next. Then we chat to delisted Collingwood star Jack Madgen. A Balfour's in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. 
8.36 on a glorious Thursday afternoon here in Little Old Adelaide. We're live from Studio Loom OSA right here at number one King William Street in the city. And it's all thanks to Balfour's. No matter your club's colours, Balfour's are for the game. Looking forward to chatting to our next guest, his sister, Tess Madgen. She's a friend of the station. She's captain of the Opals. Uh, this man's... Uncle, yes, Matthew Rendell, the mm. list guru, didn't he go into bat for him yesterday? And we're about to welcome Jack Madgen from the Collingwood Football Club, well, formerly, who has just flown in from the US today and he's been good enough to chat to us. Hello, Jacko. G'day, guys. How you going? Uh, really appreciate you jumping on. And commiserations with the delisting. When did you find out and did you know it was coming? Um, well, I, I, I had a bit of an inkling, obviously, if you haven't signed... Um, up until that point. Mm. Um, I think it was a bit of a 50-50 decision. And um, I've had a few of them go my way um, in my career. And unfortunately, this one didn't go my way. But um, obviously, we had we had some good chats during the year and some, some honest chats with, with my manager and with Riley and Fly. And um, I definitely knew where I was at. Um, but it's mm. still, you know, it's still pretty hard to hear those words. But um, couldn't be more happy and thankful for my time at the Pies. So. I, I know it's if, buts and candy nuts, but you did your shoulder early in the season. Then you broke a hand when you were, you were in the side. Do you think it could have been different without those injuries? Well, um, I guess the ironic thing is um, I had a 10-game trigger for, for an extra year and I, I played nine and did my shoulder. Oh. So, um, yeah, a bit unlucky there, but... Um, like I, I got my chance at the AFL level through some of my teammates um, um, suffering injuries, and mm. um, yeah, unfortunately, I was on the other end of it this time. So, Jake, talk us through the break because you go away from the club because you get your leave. You haven't got a contract. Yeah. So, who delivers the final message? Does Graham Wright, as the club's footy boss, do it, or do you get the call from Craig McRae, the coach? How does that play out for those who haven't lived it? Um, well. Is I, I was I was at um actually a, a little bonfire with my with my wife's family and um I got a message saying um from Riley just saying is it alright if we give you a call soon um, I'm here with Fly yeah um and when I got that message I was I was thinking oh you, you're probably not getting a contract if if the head coach is on the call as well yeah, yeah. so um yeah so it was they, they both they both called me and um yeah and they they just. They, they didn't, you know, fluff around with the small talk. They just got straight to the point, which I really appreciate. And, and yeah, like I said earlier, we, we've had a lot of those talks and Fly's definitely made me a better uh, person, a better teammate. And um, Wright has given me, you know, plenty of opportunities. So um, I, I just thank them for their time. And, um, yeah, didn't, yeah, definitely don't hold any resentment towards them or the club. I, I had a fantastic time. So. Did they, they well, seek any feedback from you? Um, no, not not really. Like, like we, we we definitely we had our conversations during the year and during the finals campaign, and yeah. um, so there, there wasn't really much you know much left to be said. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in not burning your bridges. The AFL, yeah. um, I guess the AFL uh, system is like you know everyone knows each other and, and those things can get out. But I like I, I had really nothing nothing poor to say or, or any like I'd already sort of. Pleaded my case throughout the year, and um, yeah, it was it was it was short and sweet, which 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 I do appreciate as well. Now it won't ease the pain, but hopefully this helps a bit. Every week uh, we have your uncle on, uh, Matty Rendell, the <laughs> list guru. Uh, I tell you what, Self he was proclaimed. up. And, yeah, he was up and about <laughs> yesterday. This is what he had to say about you. 
Uh, yeah. Someone else I yeah. should be looking at is Jack, Ma- Jack Madgen as well doing the same thing. I mean, yep. Yep. He, was, he was basically the leader of that back, re- uh, back line. He knows the defence mm. inside out. And um, I'd be crazy if someone didn't grab him in, in a sort of a role, development role, and educate the team about that team defence that Collingwood set up because that's been, that's been fantastic um, when they played in the, pre- uh, the grand final that year and the following year and this year. There you go, nepotism at its best, but oh, uh, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's in your corner. Yeah, no, that's um, and and it's, it's funny he he mentioned that development stuff because obviously I want to keep playing at the highest level, and if there's an opportunity to play AFL, I'll, I'll jump at it with both hands. But I'm also, you know, really passionate about um, like that development and the mental side of the game, and and maybe coaching or player development manager. Um, so that's definitely something I'd, I'd want to get into if if the if the playing career um, were to were to finish. So um, yeah, I guess I guess we're on the same page there, me and Maddie. Now we we know it's only been thirty six hours, and you're going to have to wait until the preseason draft next year. So it's quite torturous. Um, has there been any interest yet? And would you consider a little left field if coming to South Australia if you're approached by a Sandful team? Um, uh, yeah, there, there's there's enough interest there, I guess, to um, like to uh, have a little bit of hope. Um, obviously, obviously, I was out of contract um, before the trade period as well, so I, I would think if if someone was really interested, that that might have already happened. So it's a bit of bit of wait and see. And um, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying no or shutting any doors. Like I said, I want to play at the highest highest level possible for me still, um, but also. Would really like to still be involved in the AFL system in that um, sort of development um, coach, player welfare manager spot. So um, yeah, that'll have to be something I would have to think about, you know, in the next week or two because I know those those positions are highly sought after. So yeah, I haven't yeah, like, like you guys said, I only just got off the plane. Um, I had a chat to my manager before, so um, yeah, just working through a few things at the moment. So that's a bit generic, but that's probably no, what so I Jack, we, we saw Hugh Greenwood go the other way, where he thought he was going to rekindle basketball, but he rekindled football. Where's basketball for you? Oh, I love I love watching it. Um, you know, me and me and Scott Pendlebury sometimes play one on one at the club, and Tom Wilson and. I love to say um, I could still play, but yeah. it, those, those days are definitely behind okay. me. <laughs> okay. It's it, it's good fun. I still love the game, but um, yeah. So America, mm. you went away with a few of the boys, did you? Who'd you go away with? No, I was, I was actually my wife's American, oh, right. so I um, went went to visit the family. But I know I know a few a few boys are away. Um, but no, I'm I'm getting a bit too old now for those boys trips overseas. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I just went and spent some good quality time with my wife's family. You're only a pup. You're only 29. You must have been proud when Tess was announced captain of Australia. Yeah, um, I definitely sh- shed a few tears. She's like, I think I'm young in my sporting career at 29, being um, only five years into an AFL career. But she's she's 32 and um, just seems to be getting more accolades as she gets older. So um, I couldn't have been more proud. And, and the way she played and the way the Opals played in that World Cup was was unbelievable. Um, that last game by Lauren Jackson, who yeah. is, you know, Tess's idol, like most of those girls in that team, was, um, I was me and my wife were crying on the couch and she's um, American, so. <laughs> well, she couldn't lose. So, so, Jack, yeah. <laughs> so, Jack, now that you've lived Collingwood, tell us what is mystique and what is reality about the Magpies? Um, well, I get like, 
what what you see from the fans is is definitely reality. Um, they're like it's when, when when you're up and going, and you know you hear some of those stories on that way to that Sydney prelim of you know yeah, planes yeah. like pilots not being able to concentrate because the Collingwood chant was going so loud in the in the back. <laughs> like that's that's reality, and some of the some of the best fans in sport. Um, and obviously on the other side of that, because we are such a big club, and yeah. and that um, the, like the media scrutiny does. Um, follow us and sometimes we don't help ourselves in that respect but um there's that like there's cameras at the door every day um obviously not not for me so much but some of my teammates um so yeah i, I guess that's but you know inside the four walls i'm i'm sure it's just like any other club or sporting organization um in the fact that the boys just you know enjoy each other's company and, and love getting to work so um, it does have it does have its perks with, with with the bigger club, and I'm sure some of the more high fo- high profile players um, reap those rewards. But um, yeah, it was it, it was a great place to be, um, regardless of what was happening out, outside the four walls of the club. Well, Jacko, we were sorry to hear the news 36 hours ago. You're not on your Pat Malone. You're now one of 110 players that have been delisted. We hope that the career continues and we'll stay in touch with you. So fingers crossed and uh, we hope you get over any jet lag you may have now. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure to be on, boys. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time and, um, yeah, in, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks very much, Jack. You're a good man. He comes from good stock. They're a good family. Let's hope he gets another chance. We say that with everyone, Rooch, but uh, he's a realistic chance of being picked up again. We need to go to a break, Roochie, Rooch, Rooch, because we're going to have a chat with uh, an absolute ripper, Katie Mack, Adelaide striker, WBBL star. A Balfour's in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. Kimbo and the Roots with you on a Thursday afternoon. This is The Run Home. Thanks to Balfour's. No matter your club's colours, Balfour's are for the game. We're live from Studio Luno SA. Just a reminder, after five o'clock, more cricket with Nathan McAndrew. We spoke to him last year, Roots. Looking forward to that chat. As I am to the next chat, you know someone must be a pretty good human when they have four nicknames. Oh, okay. And this lady is on fire for the Adelaide Strikers. She is set to become only the fifth player ever to reach 1,000 yes. WBBL runs Try for 2, the Strikers. No, 1,000, Rooch, oh. for the Strikers. Oh, for the Strikers. Yes, do your homework as we're joined by Katie Mack. Hello, Katie. Hey guys, how you doing? All right, let's get into the big issues. These nicknames you've got: K Mac, Mac Attack, K Truck, and Briner or Brinner. <laughs> I actually don't even know what that last one is. So Come I'm on, sure or is that because you that. can't say? No, <laughs> no I, I'm not. I'm actually not sure. You know what? The the nickname I get the most is my full name, um, but it doesn't classify as a nickname. So they'll be going around the team, and it'll be you know Me- Megan, Talia, and then Katie Mac. And Katie Mack, Katie yeah, it does Mack. roll off the tongue. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a beauty. I like the Mack attack, and you've been doing a bit of that. Hey, tell us how the season's going. Two games uh, yet to get a W alongside of you. Yeah, I know, but um, it's a big season. So two games in, 12 to go. So, um, And we've known from the past that you're going to have you know lows and highs throughout. So I reckon we've got those two games out of the way, and I reckon we've got some big wins coming at Carabrolton. And Katie, the fixture gets you against Sydney Sixers, who you did play in the mm-hmm. first game up well north, lost by 17 runs. There's a small margins that are getting you at the moment where you don't have a win. So is it, what's the little bit that's missing at the moment? 
Um, I reckon looking back to the last game we played, it was our first game, and I reckon just a bit of nerves. Uh, first game of the season, ever the first time we're playing together as yeah. a full team, and I think after the second game we felt a lot better. So I reckon it'll be 17 runs our way next time we play. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Well, Love well, the positivity. Yeah. You're being kind, Root. 17 runs of flogging in a T20 game. Uh, last <laughs> last Sunday, way, though, was closer against the Renegades. Uh, what could have you done different there? It got down to the last delivery. Yeah, I reckon we just need a few more runs on the board. Probably not quite enough, but it was a good reminder that you don't need, you know, 160 all the time. If we'd gotten 130, we, we would have walked away with a win. So a couple more runs from our part. Katie, tell us a little bit about yourself. You were born in Sydney. You've played cricket there as well. You've played in Melbourne. We've adopted you. We've stolen you. Uh, take us back to where it all started and when, where you grew up. Yeah, I was actually born in Armidale, so country in New South Wales, and then Sydney from a pretty young age. And I play most of my cricket now in ACT. So I captain the ACT uh, women's one-day side, um, and I've been there. This is my 10th year there. So most of it happens happens in the nation, uh, nation's capital. Um, and then I come for the two months to, to strikers. Um, yeah. Uh, do you enjoy that? Loaded question. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, I love it. It's, it's, kind of, it's exciting for me. I get to... You know, leave home for two months and live somewhere else and play with a different group under a different coach. So it's all pretty exciting when I and, get here. And did you have a perception of Adelaide before coming here or South Australia? Um, yeah, I'd actually heard it's quite close to Canberra in a way. So it's pretty laid back, mm. uh, not too much traffic. Um, I'd say Canberra definitely wins on the cra- uh, traffic front, but um yeah, a bit more relaxed, uh, has a beach, which is nice, and then the hills the other side. So it's definitely looking, living up to expectations. And have so. you got to see much of the state, or is it all work? I've had a little bit, not so much this year so far, um, but I have done a bit. So um, definitely seen most of the beaches and been down the coast a fair bit and then done a few wineries here and there. Oh, beautiful. Well, you are living the life. You had a year at Essex as well. Take us through that. Uh, sorry, what was that? You had a year at Essex as well? Yeah, yeah. That was, gosh, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> um, when I first came out of high school, I did a sort of a gap year, I guess, and played some county cricket over there. So that was a good experience. And then I got to go back last year and play in the, the 100, actually, the first year of the 100. So uh, almost nine years Ooh. post playing there previously. Now, now, how did that go, Katie, the 100? Because there was this strong determination by the English to make sure that the women's side of the game wasn't lost in the shadow of the men. How did they handle that? It was really good. We played mostly double-headers, so sort of going uh-huh. back to where we played yep. double-headers for, for WBBL. I think the difference was there was about half an hour to 45 minutes between the games. So if you're a fan coming to watch, you could come early, especially with kids get in a game early and stay for half of the men's or come for half of ours. It didn't feel like you were waiting around for a long time. So uh, I think they just came out of COVID too. So okay, we had yeah. some big crowds. It was pretty exciting. So it's, it's another concept to the short form of cricket. How's it been received? Um, I think everyone's still getting their heads around the actual yeah. format, but in general, they've put a lot of effort in making sure that it's exciting, that, you know, there's a DJ there, they're getting <laughs> the big crowds. <laughs> I think that all definitely adds to the experience. So, so many teams, so many squads, and I imagine so many batting partners. Who do you actually enjoy having there on the, on the square with you when you're batting? I think from an opening perspective, I've loved our two last overseas opening bats, so Darnay and then now um, Dodden. 
because they're both so aggressive. It just gives me this bit of calmness that I don't have to go too hard. Yeah. I can just play my game and that they're, they're going to take sort of that more aggressive um, way of like going about it. And then I feel pretty good when I have them, Talia McGrath and Laura Wilbert coming in later. Mm. So, mm. I mean, pretty nice to bat with any international. Katie, so you like to be the mainstay then? Who would I like to be the no, mainstay? No, no, you like to be like the rock in the whole team holding up the batting rather than having a uh, yeah, turn uh, yeah, over the scoreboard. I would love to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think last year I showed that I can do both. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, I think if I'm going to my strengths, it's definitely – it's not, you know, hitting sixes every every ball. It's yep. um, running hard, hitting the fours, uh, hitting into sort of different angles that other players do. So I think if I'm sticking to my strengths, then, yeah, I, I'd like to stay in there, score runs, and let everyone else mm. bat around me. Okay. Katie, women's sport has gone ahead in leaps and bounds in the last decade, especially women's cricket. Without prying into what you earn, are you semi-professional now or full-time cricketer? Uh, I'm still semi, so I work. I actually worked a lot this year, so I was working as a physio and then also doing an internship with the, the World Cup, the Men's World Cup this year. So I'm pretty busy off off the park. Um I think we are earning more and more money, but there's still a big discrepancy between your top earners and your bottom earners. So and there's a very big margin between. Well, you may be aware here in South Australia, uh, our cricketing trophies have been fairly lean over the last decade, decade especially on the men's side of things. So uh, we wouldn't mind uh, an extra trophy to the cabinet. So this, uh, when is it? This tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow, you take on the Sixers at 2.55 at Karen Rolton Oval. Weird draw. Uh, then your next game is Monday. You're up against the Renegades again. Four games against two sides. Same two sides. Yeah. It's almost been like home and away games, but not quite. Um, I think it's just the way the scheduling's worked. I think obviously with Perth being in the fixtures, they're trying to make sure people aren't running to Perth and back just for one game. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just the way it's worked out. But pretty lucky we we actually get to verse them at home where they didn't really get that opportunity. Well, okay. Katie, let's hope you can reverse the result. Uh, we wish you all the very best for tomorrow. We will be watching with great interest and we'll be keeping an eye on your season too. Hopefully you can write yourself into the record books. We know 2,000 runs isn't too far away, but the fifth player ever to score 1,000 WBBL runs for the Strikers, that would be a magnificent feat. You're probably aware you're currently on 8.20. We wish you all the best. Uh, thank you very much. Good on you, K-Mac, Mac Attack and uh, K-Truck, but definitely not the Brinner. Got a nickname she doesn't even know she has. What a, what bad, a ripper. Not a bad little uh, CV here, is it? 100 oh, matches just... in the Big Bash format. 1666 runs, highest score of 89, and a strike rate of 100 for a player who likes to just keep herself in there. Sounds not a very bad, responsible human, Roach. Yeah. Uh, good chat, that one, and a, a lovely little career, as you mentioned. Five o'clock news coming up on the other side of that. We'll be joined by Nathan McAndrew. Two minutes past five on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Hey, if you haven't tech-driven a Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive, do it now. Magnificent cars. We are live from Studio Lumo SA, and we're here thanks to our good friends at Balfour's. No matter your club's colours, Balfour's are for the game. Before we get to our next guest route, stack of text. This is a longer one, but I'll read this one out. Uh, welcome back, Kimbo. You are sounding a lot better, hoping for a full recovery. Thank you. Very kind. I think Port Adelaide should give Josh Walker from North Melbourne a go or another big defender. I also wouldn't mind Jimmy Rowe. He does lack a bit of leg speed, but his footy IQ makes up for it. And if for nothing else, it would stir up his old man. (laughs) Win-win. Also, I want to make a shout-out to uh, Cripps and Chris Davies. 
to enter the trade period with pick eight and no second rounder and to leave with Jason Horn francis and only really give up next year's first with this year's eight is remarkable. I also have a feeling Cripps will find a way to get back into the first round next year. That's Mick from Camden. Yes, Port Adelaide did extremely yes. well at the through the trade period. Not going quite so well yesterday with the Redbacks. We're hoping it'll turn around. We spoke to this gentleman last year when he joined our great state. Nathan McAndrew joins us now. Nate, thanks for your time. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. No, our pleasure. No doubt about that at all. You you found a little bit of touch with the bat personally, but uh, collectively we just weren't good enough again. Um, no, obviously it wasn't um, wasn't an ideal week for us. We um, we thought that was a, a winnable game for us. We thought we had a, a pretty strong team out on uh, on the park and. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll ride in it after the first two days. Obviously, day three's moving day, and unfortunately, it didn't quite move in the right direction for us. Um, but yeah, well, that's just probably a, a early period on the on the day where uh, conditions sort of favoured the bowlers. Uh, a bit of rain in the morning and some overcast conditions, and yeah, Peter Siddle, obviously a world class bowler, and you know had a, a spell there that really cracked the game open. And you look back, and that's probably a match winning spell. So. Um, you know, we probably didn't uh, nail that morning, but um, sometimes you also got to tip your cap to a, a world-class yeah. bowler and, you know, admit that he was, was too good on the day. So, Nathan, how did you review the 227 for the first innings, Dick? How did, how did you conclude on that one? Um, yeah, look, I think it was maybe a little bit under par, but not, not too much, to be honest. I think Adelaide Oval, traditionally, day one, it's, it's always tough to score. Um, it's always a bit slow and tennis ball-y, so yeah. um, the scoring rate is usually quite slow. Um, and, you know, I think you never know until both sides have batted on it, um, and, and they were to get, I think it was 245 from memory off the top of my head. So mm. for them to only be, you know, 18 runs ahead of us um, in the first innings when the second day was definitely better to bat than the first, I think that was a win. I don't think we batted um, our best by any stretch. It was a great knock by Jake Lehman. Um, in the first innings to get us to that target. It wasn't very pretty, but we got there. Um, and I thought we, we fought really well with the ball to only be sort of in an 18-run deficit. So it certainly wasn't a perfect first innings, but um, it was certainly enough to the point where um, once both sides had batted um, after both first innings, we were still well and truly in the game. And Nathan, we did live crosses each day to uh, Chad Sayers, who's now part of the SEN cricket team. Uh, he spoke about the drop-in yep. pitches. How do you find them? Um, well, I, I don't really have much else to go off, to be honest. I never played mm. on Adelaide Oval before. It was a drop-in, so I can't really comment on, on what they used to be. They they certainly don't break up um, over the course of four days. They they are a bit tennis ball-y and grassy um, traditionally and, and offer a bit in the first innings, but then flatten out and become very good batting surfaces on day three and day four. So, um, yeah, it's, it's probably, you know, there's quite a few drop-in wickets around the country now, to be honest, and Adelaide Oval is quite unique compared to the rest of them. It's, it's got that fat sheer grass and it, it plays quite um, quite differently to most other drop-ins that are traditionally just quite flat and hard mm. and, and stay that way over the course of the four days. Adelaide Oval at least, you know, it's certainly going to be um, a bit in it for the bowlers in the first two days and it will flatten out. And it's, it can sometimes be a bit challenging to, to bowl a team out on day four. It's sometimes a bit nicer to be, um, to be chasing because it, it can flatten out. It can be easier to chase. Um, runs as opposed to take 10 wickets as long as you uh, haven't gotten too far behind in the game. And Nathan, you mix and match here because then you've got Karen Rolton where it's a yep. different deck there. It was interesting when Ben Hook was co-hosting last week 
or the week before, he, he's of the impression that Karen Rolton's not going to suit spinners. It's, it's, it's changed to the point it's not a spinning deck anymore. Is that the way you see it? Um, yeah, I think it depends. Uh, there was a lot of grass left on it for the first uh, first rounds. I think also just given that the climate, it's been so yeah. cold, it, it hasn't been hot enough um, to really get that that hardness in into the um, into the surface. So um, it, it certainly can break up and spin um, in games that are sort of maybe later on in the season. Once the summer sun is baking on it, it can mm. then um, dry out a lot and break up. But I think earlier on in the season, um, especially if there's a bit of grass coverage, it's it's not really ever going to be a spinner's wicket. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's again hard to know what the um, past 25 wicket used to be like in, in years previous. But I think um, over over the times that I've played on it, it does you know get lower and slower, but it doesn't really break up to the point where it, it turns massively. Um, you know, the one game I've played on it where it turned big was the game against Queensland last year, but mm. that was because it was quite underprepared and it, and it actually divoted. Um, and so balls were sort of spinning because it was hitting a divot and, and turning out of it. Yeah. But um, traditionally, it doesn't break up too much, no. We'll move on to tomorrow's game very shortly, but it would be wrong or remiss not to mention Ben uh, Menenti. Uh, it was a very solid performance. Yeah, he, he had a, a fantastic week. Um, obviously, in a losing side, it's not ideal, but... Yeah, he's uh, he's really hit the ground running for us. He's uh, you know he's a great competitor. I've known Ben for for quite a few years now, playing him in great cricket in Sydney uh, for a number of years, um, coming through the system there. And um, you know he's just a, a very well-rounded cricketer. He bowls well, he bats well. He's he's take, took some great slips catches as we saw as well. Um, but he, he's just very competitive and he's got a great cricket brain as well. You know he really understands the game and he's. He's got great cricket instincts for someone who hasn't played a huge amount of first-class cricket. Um, so he's he's been a great addition to our group, um, and you know hopefully he can continue to play the way he's been uh, been playing because he's he's hit the ground running in in both formats for yeah, us. He was a mild sensation, uh, Nathan. Let's take a look at tomorrow's game. You take on Tasmania, a chance to get a little bit of redemption there in the Marsh one day. Uh, early in all forms of the game, but you're sitting in third place on the ladder, one win, one loss. Uh, how do you feel you're travelling there? Do you feel you're travelling better or is it too early in the one-day game as opposed to the Shield team? Um, oh, it's obviously early in the season, so it's hard hard to tell. But I think I think we've got a very strong white ball squad. I think a lot of our batters are, are quite um, aggressive by nature sort of thing. So I think that, that lends quite well to um, our 50-over team. Um, obviously, Henry Hunt's the, you know, the traditional opener up the top, but... You look at the guys all the way through; they're all, you know, quite aggressive and look to really get the game moving. You know, your Jake Weatherall's Travis Head, Alex Carey, Jake Lehman, they're all, they're all looking to to get the ball moving. And then, you know, myself and Ben Benenti can hopefully come in later on in the order and have a bit of a slog. So I think we, um, I think we've got a, a pretty um, pretty dynamic white ball team, and I, I'm, you know, really excited about what we can achieve. I think we've got a, a really really good all round bowling lineup as well. We've got a lot of air speed, which I think is really crucial in in white ball cricket. Um, with the additions of well, Wes, Wes Agar being back to his best this year and being back out of the park and fit, which is a huge bonus, and Henry Thornton coming over as well. So we've got some really good airspeed as well. Um, so I think we're in a, a good position with the with the white ball squad, and um, obviously Tassie certainly got the better of us uh, up in Queensland in the uh, earliest uh, part of the season. So hopefully we can yeah turn the turn the tides and get one back on them t- tomorrow. So, Nathan, which form do you enjoy most? Which gives you the greatest satisfaction, long-form cricket or the short game? Um, 
Oh, for me, it's four-day cricket. I think that's yeah. still the most, um, the purest form of the game anyway. Um, I, I've played a lot more white ball cricket being that I debuted in the Big Bash back when I was 23 and I only debuted in red ball cricket last year. So yeah. I've certainly you know, played uh, a lot more Big Bash cricket or white ball cricket um, over my career. But for me, it's it's still test cricket. It's still, you know, I still think the, the, the red ball format is the, you know, the pinnacle of our sport. And, and I, I certainly love the Big Bash. I absolutely, you know, love the energy that T20 cricket brings and, and big crowds and these sorts of things. But I think, um, you know, I think for any traditional cricket fan, it, it, it is all about Red Bull cricket. Well, if someone's looking for something to do tomorrow, head down to the Adelaide Oval. The one-day game gets underway at 10am when the Redbacks take on Tasmania. Hey, you'd be looking forward to the next Shield game. It's not until October the 31st, but you're playing at North Dalton Park and Wollongong. In New South Wales, you were born in Wollongong, is that right? I was, yeah, about about another half an hour south in Shell Harbour is where I grew up, but I was yeah born at Wollongong Hospital, so it's a yeah a bit of a homecoming for me actually. So I'm really really looking forward to that game, and um, yeah, it's sort of uh, funny. I haven't seen mum and dad and, and my brother and family for a while, and oh. mum and dad have actually driven down to this week to watch this game, and then huh. I'll see them again next uh, next game, Wollongong, so I'll be sick of them in a couple of weeks. But, um, <laughs> no, it's, it's been good to see them, and, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to, to my brother will be able to get down there with uh, the niece and nephew uh, to the game at Wollongong, which will be, which will be lovely. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we get. I think Wollongong's been peppered with a lot of rain lately, yes. and there's a lot forecast for the next week. So, um, at North Dalton's right by the beach so that you know it won't be an issue of the drainage but if the wicket's under covers for two weeks it'll be could be a bit spicy so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how that goes but yeah looking forward to, to getting home for a little bit for sure. and you've played on north alton park before i have yeah not for a while um not not since i was about 17 years old but um yeah it's usually a, it's a pretty flat wicket good good batting surface so yeah, again, not sure what that'll look like again if it's if it's been under covers for so long. But it's um, yeah, it's a big ground, it's a big AFL field, um, quite similar probably to Karen Rolton um, in terms of dimensions. So, um, but yeah, it's a it's a nice ground, sort of a boutiquey vibe, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully the Illawarra region gets around and and we get a decent turnout to it. Nathan, really appreciate your time again. Uh, thank you for jumping on, and let's hope uh, we can get a couple of Ws in a row in all forms of the game. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks for having me, guys. Good on you, Nathan. Good on uh, Nathan. He's a beauty. He speaks really well. Yes, he does. Um, and you forget, there's so many people in the same boat of him, as him that haven't been able to see family still for work reasons Correct. and the COVID restrictions. Yes. And for some, it's two and three years. So um, they've driven down, then they're back up there next week or the 31st. I'm sure he won't get sick of them. Hey, Roach, um, as of... Today, yeah. we don't work Fridays anymore until oh, we, we go on holidays. You know, we're not in oh. tomorrow. So we normally do the Friday forecast. Yes. So after Toddy Gray joins us for the racing tips, we'll be doing a Thursday forecast. Okay. You get it? Yes. The Thursday you got forecast. music for it? No, we'll use the Friday forecast for right. the Thursday forecast, okay. all right, until we can find another Thursday song. <laughs> a Balfour's in one hand and your team colours in the other. Balfour's are for the game. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. You're listening to The Run Home with Kimbo and the Roots. 
19, almost done for another day. We're live from Studio Lume. Hey, just a quick update in the racing world. Uh, 2021 Melbourne Cup winner, Very Elegant, has been retired. Uh, she won 11 Group 1 races. She was over there racing in France. Did Things didn't go to plan there. So have a happy retirement. All right, this time every week we have a chat to Toddy Gray. Thanks to Ground Racing SA. No one runs the dogs like South Australia. The human dog, the human dog. The human dog, the human dog. The human dog, the human dog. He joins us live dog, now. How dog. are you, Toddy boy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, lad. That stinger still gets me every week. No, I, um, uh, always good, boys. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah none of your business. Uh, right, let's jump into the tips. <laughs> I'm joking. Easy. Well, I'd have to say I've been crook for two weeks and everyone's bored to death with that. Toddy, what have you got? Have you been in good form? Rich told me you weren't. Oh, last week I did the worst thing you should do, and I went the early crow, uh, boys. Our, our $8 value bet last week, everyone thought it won, except the, fortunately the photo finish, and the photo finish don't lie. So we went down by a bees, you know what, last week, yeah. and um, I, I did not handle, I was not subtle. I, uh, they'll never find the dummy I spat, lad. Oh, I tell you what, nothing wrong with saying bees nostril either. It's not rude. All right, you always bounce back. What's your best bet? Uh, best bet tonight, lads, race six, number one, blue bouquet. Um, I reckon she's an absolute moral to lead this race. I really like what I've been seeing over uh, the last few starts. She's been getting better and maturing very well. Um, I just think she's an absolute certainty to be in front at the halfway point. A couple of slow beginners to her outside who run a little bit wide to give her a bit of cover. And um, I just don't reckon there's anything which is going to come barging out of the pack to run her love down. So it, race six, number one, blue bouquet. I love it. We're, we're up against the clock here. Uh, value bet. Uh, the value bet, lads. Uh, easy one. This uh, We're going to go with race number... <clears throat> Put that down two seconds. Sorry, race eight, number two, Sentinel McLaren. He's a very hard dog to catch, but he's a very fast dog when he's on his right night. A small field drawn beautifully and no pace in this race. I reckon he jumps a lot better, runs a lot better, and he gets the cash each way all day at about eight bucks. Love your work, Toddy. Your best bet, race six, number one, Blue Bouquet. Write it down. Value bet, race eight, number two, Sentinel McLaren. For expert grain racing tips, follow at the dogs SA on Twitter or check out grain racing SA on Facebook. Have a great evening, Toddy. Will do, you too, legend. Hey, just quickly, this Saturday is the 25th birthday of the Adoption Day. It's a wonderful program, yes. Rich. You can head to Angle Park between 11am and 2pm at Angle Park. Plenty of greyhounds available for adoption, as well as stool selling dog treat. Perfect day for people thinking of adopting a greyhound. I used to have greyhounds. They are the most beautiful pets you could ever Very have. Very good. All right, Mike Dobbin and the team at Medane yes. Real Estate have just sent through their property of the week. I tell you what, this will be like reading War and Peace, Rooch. It is at Cane. Oh, no, the agent is Kane Dover. That's a very poetic name. And Pete Fallon. I haven't met Kane and Pete yet. And the uh, property is at 2 Cowrie Parade, Seacliff. All right, Cowrie. Take us through it, Roach, a little bit of it. What have you got? Well, it's the kind of place that where you enjoy freedom of choice and lifestyle, then you do have to go to this property. It is on the market at 2 Cowrie Parade, Seacliff. Now, this property is something special, they tell us. 1948 built, beachside manor. Sits on a massive 1146 square metres of land just four streets back from the beach, west of Brighton Road and west of the train line and zone for Brighton Secondary School. This home has two dwellings. The main house is a four-bedroom, two-bedroom and two massive living areas, functional fireplace and one of the biggest bookshelves I've ever seen. Uh, outside of the main home, there's a fully self-contained granny flat with private access and driveway, making the perfect uh, for the in-laws or an Airbnb. This could be for you and your mum, Rooch. Otherwise, uh, add it all up. 
and two Cowie Parade is a five-bedroom, three-bathroom property. Outside of the home, you have the fire pit and outdoor shower from when you walk home from the Seacliff Beach. And if bigger isn't better, subject to council consent, you could split this into two blocks and build one or two homes of your dreams. Dobbo, we're going to charge you for half an hour for this ad. Properties like this on this block do not come up often, so whether you're looking for something to move into and enjoy or for an investment property for short-term rentals or a new development site, this property is not one to miss. It is at 2 Carry Parade, Seacliff. All right, best offers by the 7th, the 11th, 2022. A guide is $1.88 million. First open, Saturday, one thirty to 2. Have we got time, Roach? Have we got time to do our Thursday forecast? Let's see. Let's get on with it. All right, we won't do the musical. Oh, 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 get rid of the musical play. Down we go, down we go, down we go. All right, sure thing, Roach. Ross Lyon. For St Kilda, I like it. Yeah, my sure thing, uh, we're not on Fridays anymore until we oh. go and leave on December the 1st, so we won't be here tomorrow. It'll be Andy May and Andrew Gars. Andrew Ma and Andrew Gaze. Right. Most at stake. Crows AFLW team, this game against Geelong 4v5 is going to be so critical to setting up the finals, and Adelaide must win to make sure that it stays there in the top four. Get down there, 5-10 at the only oval tomorrow. My most at stake is the Redbacks taking on Tasmania tomorrow. If we get flogged, I know it's early days. Uh, it's time to start performing. Doomsday scenario. Adelaide lose to Sydney United in the A-League. They'll be then pretty well at the foot of the ladder. And my doomsday scenario is if Australia gets knocked off in its first World Cup game, it's on Saturday against the Kiwis. Oh, no, let's not wish that upon ourselves. A little bit rushed there. Ten seconds to go. Um, Have a great evening, everyone. We'll be back on Monday. Good night, everyone, and enjoy your weekend. Ooh, Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91